All right, good morning. Praise the Lord. All right, so we've been uh, talking about grace from uh, every every which angle, and maybe by now you're wondering, can we ever exhaust this teaching about grace? Probably not. But we've been learning about grace, and it just occurred to me this week, um, we've, we've got to kind of wrap it up and say, how do I live in grace? And what should be the byproduct of me living in grace? And we should be bearing fruit. Grace is not about, you know, am I sinning, am I not sinning, am I a sinner? We've addressed all of those issues. What we want to talk about today is living in grace, just having a grace-filled life and bearing fruit because of that. So what is a grace-filled life? And just to make it simple, I'll give you three things. It's knowing Him, uh, abiding in Him, and then expressing Him. You know, our our walk of faith, our, our new identity, our life should be to expose Jesus to the lost and dying world, to the broken, to the heartbroken, to the, the needy, the depressed, uh, the fearful, the angry. Uh, we should be exposing the grace of Jesus to them. So what do I mean by knowing him? Well, knowing him is not just knowing about him, uh, having a picture on the wall, that kind of thing. It, it is a deep knowledge of God, and it won't come only by biblical knowledge. Um, many people can really get caught up in knowing a lot about God, about the Bible, knowing the Bible, that kind of thing, but... Really knowing him comes through divine revelation. And that opens up our eyes. So when we um, teach on a topic and somehow it just gets absorbed into your spirit and you get it and the light goes on, um, there's, that's a new divine revelation. Um, when you come here for uh, church and we have the one another time, and you're testifying about something God has shown you this week, um, something He spoke to you. You know that's divine revelation, and we want to be sharing it. Knowing Jesus, though, here's the fun part: it comes through trials and troubles and problems, sometimes disasters and scars. I don't think you can get to heaven without having some scars. It, and God will just replace our body so we don't have to worry about those scars. But uh, what do I mean? If, if all you know is what you read in the Bible, you have kind of just a surface knowledge. You know, it's not a, a deep abiding knowledge, one where you've come to know Him through experience, through seeing what He can do in your life, what He has done in your life. I think we all know that when we go through 
uh, a trial or some adversity, some real dramatic thing with someone, we get to know them much more intimately, don't we? Um, we all have experiences in our life and somebody we've gone through it with, maybe more than one person. And when we come out of it, we have a special kind of knowledge with that person, a special kind of experience and relationship. Um, I don't know, as examples, if you've been on a sports team, for example, and you, you've gone through some real challenges together, you know, there's a uh, camaraderie and a, and a relationship that you develop through that. Uh, <laughs> you've all watched the movies with the plane crash, you know, and the people that survived the plane crash, the, as they get out of it, um, they, have, they went through a really traumatic experience. And they've come to know each other really well. And the, and the point of that is, not only do we come to know each other better that was in that situation, we've come to know God better. Because in that trouble, boy, you're realizing, I need to cry out to God. I, I need God's help here. I need Him to get me out of this. I need Him to help me survive or fix this, whatever. And so when you come out of that, you have a little deeper knowledge of God. Because you've, You've heard him. You've seen what he can do. Um, you're just amazed. And it's it's through those trials and those troubles, even disasters, even God can bring good out of bad things. And because of that, we will have a deeper knowledge of God. Um, <laughs> maybe if, if you've been on an epic backpack trip where you had to struggle, uh, you come to know the, those people better and God better. Uh, second one is a, abiding in in Jesus. So if you're, we've been talking about it, if you're striving to produce um, or, you know, be doing all of the things that you think will make you acceptable to God, if you've been striving and struggling um, spiritually, hopefully, you've discovered that that's fruitless. It's it, it's a wrong uh, thought process because when we it's like we were singing this morning. When we come to Christ, we're changed. We're we're flawless. We're um, you know perfect in His eyes, and we have this uh, eternal gift given to us. So that striving and struggling to get your life in order and, and be what you think is acceptable to God is really not abiding in Him. And we're going to go to the scripture today about this, but Jesus said that we are branches, and He's the vine, and we branches are to abide in the vine. Is that one of those uh, things where you record the person ahead of time? Or? No. <laughs> um, by way of example, uh, when you think about grapes, they can't grow faster or bigger by grunting and groaning to produce growth. Right? Um, and a life of grace is characterized by a calm confidence in a sovereign God whose love and wisdom 
always causes him to do what he wants when he wants to do it. So when we're we've we've come we've come to understand grace and we've come to understand God's love for us and we've come to understand that we don't have to strive and struggle to be acceptable to him we have this calm confidence so we've all have Christians in our life when you know we 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 know them we see them we talk to them man they they they're pretty chill There's, nothing's bothering them i mean they they they're trusting God no matter what is happening to them i, I want that well, that's grace. That's abiding in Christ. The next one is expressing Him. Uh, many try to produce an expression through Christian ministry without abiding in Christ. This is what we've talked about in the past, where it's works and deeds, but they're not spiritually appraised, they're not spiritually powered, they're not spiritually directed because uh, we're not expressing Christ, we're not expressing the Spirit. And the result of that is empty religious ritual with ultimately it produces a ministry of death. That's what Paul warns us about in Romans. So when the, when the Christian is lacking the life of Christ in them, it ceases to be Christianity, and it becomes nothing but a moral religion, uh, a ritual. And that is what produces that ministry of death. So the way to enjoy and express Christ is to allow Him to live His life through us. Somebody was testifying, maybe it was you, Lugene, you are talking about how... Um, People seeing Christ in us and seeing his love in us. And, and that's the core of what it's about. We've got to express him which is in us. So living in grace means that we express Jesus' life as a natural and normal part of our daily experience. So we don't have to get up and figure out how we're going to you know, carry on our day because if we're just trusting him to move and work and speak through us, we just approach it with a calm confidence. Um, the Christ life should be one of joy. It is one of joy. If you don't have that joy, you might start questioning um, you know, your intimate relationship with Christ. He's the joy giver. He gives it to us. Um, when we have his joy, we can just live, go throughout our life, allowing him to naturally move through us. Um, just knowing that he's there with us, and then when there comes that moment where we have to speak or do, he's going to tell us what to do, how to do it, even who to do it for. He, he will bring somebody to you <laughs> that needs to hear or see or touch or feel. So that's what that... Approaching life with that calm confidence is all about. We're not worried. We're not anxious about, does God still love me? Am I still pleasing to Him? You know, um, am I doing what He wants me to do? We have this calm confidence. So turn with me to John 
15, and we're going to uh, look at this uh, great teaching everybody's familiar with, I'm sure, about who the vine and who the branches are and who the vine dresser is. We're going to begin with verse 1, John 15. It says, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. This is Jesus speaking. If you have your Bible red letters, you, you know that, but if not, this is Jesus speaking. Verse 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, in case you're misled on this, apart from me, you can do nothing. (coughs) Boy, did I come to that um, understanding back uh, when I came to Christ. Uh, I just realized all the stuff I was doing before that, which was done purely out of lust and greed, it's not of him. It amounted to nothing. It amounted to nothing. Um, and I really understand, I totally understand, that apart from Christ, I can do nothing. Six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And then they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. The key, the key here, Jesus saying, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask for anything and you'll receive it. Because we're only asking for the things that he has directed us to ask for. We're only asking for the things that are going to give him glory. Um, We're we're only asking for things that are... um, something that's going to carry out his purpose. We're not going to say, uh, uh, Jesus, I'm going on a mission trip, and I'm going to buy all these uh, clothes and Bibles and take over there, but I need about a pound of cocaine that I can sell (laughs) to be able to buy that. Well, that's a silly example, right? But that's, I mean, maybe that brings it home for you, you know, that... uh, uh, did he sell cocaine in pounds? Uh, 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 I was just assuming that'd be a lot. I'm making a cash out of it But you see, you see how silly that is. And in James, he tells us, you know, you you pray and, and you don't receive and you ask because you're asking with the wrong motive. So he even chastises saying, you don't ask, so you don't receive. So we should be asking. But even before we start asking, we have to be abiding in Christ and His words in us. If you know what Jesus has to say, you're not going to be asking for a silly requests like I just said. <clears throat> Verse 8. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. 
A disciple is a learner, a follower. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I love you. Greater love is no one than this that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all the things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. That ought to set something straight here. And appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. So you see, it's not just about claiming to believe in Jesus. We're supposed to be going and bearing fruit. And that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. I probably say this too often, but here it comes again. So people who claim to be Christian, but maintain they hate Christians, is somehow not tracking with this scripture. Um, that's probably one of the top ten excuses of why people don't go to church. I'd go to church, but there's Christians there. I, I don't like Christians. I hate Christians. <laughs> I've known a lot of Christians that didn't like Christian and non-Christian. Yeah. They, they yeah. really judge people. I've yeah. known a lot of Christians that way. It happens. And, and the solution is we come together, we love one another, um, we, we work those things out, we talk them out, we go through life together, um, we let him direct us. And, you know, if there weren't any problems and there weren't any screwed up people, you know, what would Jesus in my past, In my past, I've, I've gone to churches and I've walked out with people that started judging as soon as they walked out the door. And, and not 10 feet out the door. So, I mean, it's, it's out there. Yeah, absolutely. No, no uh, denying that, for sure. But um, I think what I'm trying to impress upon us is of him, we got to find a way to love one another. And, and we've, we've all got to do that. I think, he, that I think that grace speaks a lot to that, too. We are supposed to walk and be the light, you know, shine God's light and all of those things as well. But when other people that claim to be or consider to be Christians themselves don't walk perfectly, we need to have a lot of grace for them as well and remember that they're all human. And even if, you know, even if Pastor Mark's done a good job this week walking in the Lord, Oh, he stumbled. We better. No, we've got like 
even Pastor Mark's human. You know, we're all human. We have to have grace for each other right alongside that love. Well, I guess that's really what that love is rooted in, is in that grace and being able to discern but have forgiveness and grace for other people too. Amen. Yeah, so if we're tempted to, to be uh, critical or judging of someone, we've got to remember how we look to God. Yeah. And he gave us grace, well, accepted grace us even, as we are. Grace could even come from a smile and make it change someone's life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because when, when we, that's kind of what I'm saying is well, our response could be a grace filled response, even though their behavior is not, you know, what God wants. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. What we've, one of the things that we've learned in this is if we aren't bearing fruit, if we are branches that are not bearing fruit, watch out. Because um, as, as Jesus said, they, they just dried up and they're thrown away and, and even burned. They become useless. And if you are bearing fruit, uh, get ready for a haircut. He says he prunes. Um, you know, there, there's some uh, connotation of pruning versus cleaning and cleansing. So they, they both kind of mean the same, depending on what translation you're reading. Um, because when you're pruning branches, you're kind of cleaning them up, right? You're taking off the dead stuff, the stuff that's not working, the stuff that's not necessary, the stuff that's useless, the stuff that's even impeding growth on the rest of that branch. So pruning is necessary. So if you're you're bearing fruit, you see that that branch is alive, so you, you prune it, you clean it up. And then it can produce more fruit. Um, when you look at the fruit, like I said earlier, that fruit of that vine doesn't grow faster just by grunting and groaning and, and uh, stretching and trying to be a bigger, fatter grape. How different would horticulture in general be if plants did? Yeah. yeah. I would not want a garden. <laughs> I just, you know, it, it, okay, so there was something that also I wanted to share during one another time, you guys, and it's eating at me now. It's ready to burst out, but in, in a godly way, of course, because, so I've been watching, I watched this whole sermon series called Crushing, and it's about how life just crushes you, and the whole point, the whole thing was that you know, um, we are, you know, the branches, and, you know, we are bearing fruit, and part of the, the way that, you know, we do that is the pruning, and that, you know, the grapes on the vine cannot grow without the pruning, and then, you know, there was another thing, how it was talking about how the most expensive wine in the world, actually, they grow, the, the vines grow in rocks, and it means that they have to struggle to get to be the best wine. And you guys, the best part is that, of that is that that's what God's doing with us. When we're ready, he's going to take that, the grapes off, and he's going to, you know, he's going to crush us, as you said, you know, the, the stuff is going to come. But then he's going to turn us into a fine wine, you know, and, and, and he does that. And I just, I love that that's what your sermon was about, and I love that I got to share that, because a lot of us have felt crushed in our lives, and, and just remember that when we're feeling crushed, God's making a fine wine out of us. It's not the most expensive yeah. wine. Yeah. Fruit is coming. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. 
Uh, I think the other thing that we should be picking up out of this is what our role is. <laughs> We're the branch, and he's the vine. We have to be connected. A branch just out there by itself cannot grow any fruit, can't grow leaves, can't grow... So we have to be connected to that vine. And I don't know, when I start to picture that whole relationship, then I begin to understand what abiding in Christ looks like. You know, I'm connected to Christ. I'm, I'm trying to learn what He has to say. I want to see what He has to do. Uh, I want to trust Him in the midst of my difficult times and just watch how He answers. Expect a miracle. You betcha. Um, so if, if we're a branch and we're bearing fruit, we just need to stay connected to the vine. We need to receive the nourishment from the vine. You get that? That's where that comes from. You know, the branch doesn't get nourished with the things it needs to grow without being connected to the vine. The vine is giving it to the branch. And that's just kind of a picture of how God works through us and how grace is working through us. And Jesus is using these everyday occurrences in the Bible to illustrate these spiritual principles to us. Firstly, that we need to abide in Christ. And, and now maybe we understand a little more about this abiding thing. And secondly, that fruit is expected. Fruit is expected. That's why these branches that aren't growing any fruit and they're drying up, they're being plucked off. Fruit is, it's a pre-designed purpose. When God calls us into the family and he fills us with the spirit, fills us with the grace, it's for an expected purpose. And it's not just for us. I mean, yeah, we get this great gift of eternal life, but what does he expect? He's expecting us to bear fruit, to go forth and um, you know, ex express him to others. That's the kind of fruit he's looking for. So, what is when when he's talking about fruit? What is he meaning? Um, is he meaning a grape or something else? Well, I think it's more generic, generic because he's using this illustration of uh, a vine and branches and fruit uh, because we can understand it. We've seen it, but fruit means a a benefit, a crop. Uh, it means. Um, uh, a proceed or a profit, um, something that comes forth and has value. And it wouldn't come forth without the branch and the vine. You know, so the fruit needs the, the branch and the vine. The branch needs the vine. And it wouldn't come forth if the branch was bad. If the vine was bad, um, turn with me to Matthew seven. And again, this is another uh, very familiar passage to us. Matthew seven, and we'll begin with verse sixteen. Um, he's just kind of finishing up a little teaching about proof of kingdom life and beware of false prophets. And he says, verse sixteen, you will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? In other words, um, the fruit has to match the type of plant it is. So our fruit should match who Jesus is. 
17. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. So it's, a, it's an internal thing that has to happen that's going to bear this fruit. Um, we can't say, oh, you know, for, for a, a bad tree, okay, I'm going to be a good tree today and try to bear some good fruit. No, it's, it's got to come from within. And that's what we're talking about. We know Christ. We abide in him and then we express him. He's in us, working in and through us. So, what is this fruit? Grace in action. Grace in action. It's not just knowing about grace. It's just not knowing that you've received His grace, but it's got to be grace in action. Grace that has to be expressed. Grace that has to come out. Living in grace, bearing fruit. So, let me finish up with uh, maybe some more examples so that we're not confused when we walk away. You know, what what does Christian fruit look like? What should we expect as part of our Christian character? Well, we know from uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 about love. What is love? Love, no occasion justifies hatred. So if we're truly loving with the love of God, we're not going to hate. Um, No injustice warrants bitterness. We have things that happen to us that are not just. And do we have a right to be bitter then? No. Um, So today, in your heart, in your spirit, say, I will love God and what and whom he loves. And what and whom he loves. So getting back to your example, you know, for somebody to judge somebody else, God loves them. You know, we need to be loving them too. You know, if we're going to be uh, bearing fruit. So joy. I refuse to see any problem as anything else than an opportunity to know joy. <laughs> so when a bad thing happens, Okay, joy's coming. This is not fun. This is not good, but joy is coming. Instead of uh, clinching our fist at new assignments, I'll approach them with joy and courage. I will see trials and tribulation as an opportunity to count it all joy. And James tells us that. Count it all joy with these trials and tribulations. Peace. I will forgive so that I may live free. I will forgive so that I may live free. When we've talked about forgiveness, we understand that if, if we refuse to forgive somebody, we're the ones in bondage. We all understand that. So I will forgive someone, even though they're not worthy of forgiving, so that I can be free. You know, I think sometimes we fear, well, if I forgive them, they'll just keep going on and doing it. Well, that's between them and God. You know, we have to forgive them. Um, and, and we'll have peace. We'll know peace. If, if we forgive, 
we have peace. We have peace with God. We have peace within ourselves. Patience. So rather than complain that the wait is too long, I will thank God for a moment to pray. Um, I was talking with somebody uh, this week about uh, the food pantry, and we've talked about times where there's been long lines. And, you know, what, what should we be doing? If you're a helper there at the food pantry and you're not giving out a food box, what you should, should you be doing with those people who are standing in line patiently waiting for food? Go talk to them. Go, go pray for them. Um, ask them how it's going. You know, just find something out about their life and, and talk with them. And you may discover that's a divine appointment. Kindness. I'll be kind to the poor, for they are often alone. Uh, kind to the rich, because they are often afraid. And I'll be kind to the unkind, for such is how God has treated me. That's what we talked about in grace. Romans 15, 7. You know, the grace that we've known from God, we want other people to know from us. Uh, kind, goodness. I will display goodness in all that I do or say, being kind, benevolent, exercising charity, and thankfulness. There's no complaining in Christ. <laughs> Goodness. I will display goodness in all that I do or say. Um, I guess I went that one. Right. Faithfulness. Today, I will keep my promises. Uh, my debtors will not regret their trust in me. My associates will not question my word. My wife or my husband will not question my love for them. They will not worry about me not coming home because they know that I'm faithful. Gentleness. Gentleness. Nothing is won by force. Uh, I choose to be gentle. This is something that a lot of us men really need to focus on and struggle with. We, we need to choose to be gentle. What? But that's the character of Christ. Uh, Self-control. I refuse to let what will not I will refuse to let what, what, what will rot, what will burn, to rule my life. Instead, we want to be led by things that are eternal, that have eternal value. So, angry, anger is something that is temporal. It is, as, G, as uh, Adrian was saying earlier, we're not going to have anger in heaven. We're not going to have it in the millennial kingdom, in the new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. There's not going to be anger. So why not try to live like that now? Honesty. I will go without a dollar before I take a dishonest one. I will endeavor always to be a truth teller, and I will not start or repeat rumors and lies. So these are all things that we do as a product of being changed from the inside out. Uh, encouragement. I'll encourage others and build them up as I see good in them. This is huge. If, if we just take on this attitude of being an encourager instead of a criticizer, an encourager instead of a demoralizer, what impact can we have on people's lives? We can always find something in everyone to encourage them about. 
We used to have a church member here, uh, Sammy Fortin, many years ago. That woman was the epitome of encouragement. Boy, she could come up and find something to encourage everybody about. We used to, there one another time, she'd always have an encouragement for a few people. She had cards already written, you know, who she was going to encourage. And... I got to share something. So we went to the lagoon last week, and I met, um, so you remember the Benavidos? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's her name? So Cammy's brother, his wife and her kids were there. So I was talking to his wife. So they had lost a child a long time ago. Apparently, some of those cards Sammy had given her, and it just hit her. Sammy didn't even know that she had lost a child, but she had given her some of those. She had done that when I first came here. Yeah. Um, she gave me her old study Bible. And so I still have that to this day, and I every time I open my Bible, pray, just open randomly, and I always have little notes from her because it was hers, and it always hits me. Sorry, I had to share that because Sarah Amen. was really great. She did this with, with people that she didn't even know. Like we weren't, we didn't have a relationship yet. Yeah. And she, she just, she's, she, God works at her so well. She's an amazing person. I miss her a lot. Yeah. Amen. Um, so maybe the last one would be grace and humility. Are you willing to be overlooked instead of wanting to boast, to be chosen first? Are you willing to have the attitude that you would rather be wronged if you can be a blessing and an encouragement to someone else? Now the rubber's hitting the road, huh? (laughs) That's tough stuff, but that is grace in action. Um, Are you willing to confess um, your sins, your shortcomings, before you think about accusing someone else? Um, If you'll choose these different attitudes, uh, you'll begin to see how God will work in your life. The Bible says that God opposes the proud, but gives a greater grace to the humble. So let us endeavor to be humble. Let us endeavor to put others before ourselves. And I totally understand. It's a challenging time to be doing that. But there is no option. There is no option. We have to live like this. If you don't choose to live like this, if this doesn't soak in, you are just not going to be a happy camper. And we want happy campers. So um, the final uh, question I have um, to see, you can kind of examine yourself to see if you're living in grace, if you're bearing fruit. And that is, (laughs) are you a pruned branch or firewood? Are you a slave or a friend? We just read where Jesus said, I call you friends. I no longer call you slaves. Are you walking in the Spirit or in the flesh? Are you carrying out empty ritual or the fruit of the Spirit? Are you grunting and groaning and trying to prove yourself to be better, to be a good person, to acquire acclaim from people? Or are you just walking in calm confidence? So wrestle with those as we go through the week. And the three things we picked up on today, living in grace, is knowing Jesus, abiding in Jesus, and expressing Jesus. Knowing, abiding, expressing.
Alright, amen. So now let's gather around and express Jesus by praying for one another.